Hawaii Pharmacy Podcast Nation. You got to listen in every Tuesday to stay up to date on the most recent medication therapy topics. Game Changers creates awareness about pharmacotherapy and clinical practice changes that can significantly impact pharmacy practice. Every Tuesday, a new episode of Game Changers is published on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. And always remember, the pharmacist is the hub of healthcare. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. step outside the industry that we all love Uh, we wake up every morning you the pharmacist wake up every morning knowing you got to go back to that community space or you're you're dealing with uh, geriatrics the long-term care pharmacist or a specialty disease state or we just got done talking about digital pharmacy and digital technologies in pharmacy but today is really special for us i am so excited to reach outside of the healthcare pharmacy industry and tap into the minds of someone who really understands branding. I go out to Instagram and I see how many of you pharmacists are concentrating on building your personal brand and how important that is that you're going to craft your brand back to communicating with society, with patients, with someone who you're really trying to assist. The man that I'm about to bring on is uh, a maven in branding and and specifically building out uh, your relevance on social media. Mr. Brendan Kane, he's an outside of the box thinker. He is the author of One Million Followers and Hook Point, How to Stand Out in a Three Second, uh, How to Stand Out in the World in Three Seconds. Um, Brandon, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's it's a true pleasure to connect with you and all of the people that are are listening to this. Yes, I'm fascinated by your writings and and something that's going to be very relevant to the pharmacist listening is you're very evidence-based. You very much look into, you're not just writing about social media and being popular on social media, but you're really talking about the psychology of making connections. So before I get into some of the questions about that, I want the listeners to understand uh, a little bit about you. Yeah, so I've been in this space for almost 15 years now and my background is a little bit different than most people in that I'm such an experiential learner that I have to do to really understand. So what that looks like is I've touched pretty much every aspect of digital, social media, paid media, uh, e-commerce, lead generation, traffic generation. And I started the journey in the entertainment industry. So I went to film school to learn the business side of film and then quickly realized that they don't really teach you anything about business in film school. So I had to find a way to learn about business. So at the time, and still holds true today, the most cost-efficient way to do so was to create internet companies. 
So I created a few internet companies while I was going to uh, university. And then when I moved to LA to pursue a career in film, it's when the entertainment industry started to reawaken to, to digital after the dot-com bust. Uh, so I leveraged that knowledge and experience that I gained in starting my own companies to forge connections and, and really get my foot in the door. So I spent several years managing digital divisions for movie studios, overseeing the theatrical release of films ranging from 15 to $100 million budgets. And then from there, I just really wanted to explore the world of being an entrepreneur. So I left and started building technology platforms and licensing them back to big media companies. So I built platforms and partnered with the likes of MTV, Viacom, Vice, Paramount, uh, Yahoo, Lionsgate, to name a few. And it was the MTV partnerships that really opened up the doors to work with people like uh, a Taylor Swift uh, or Michael Strahan or Rihanna and build technology for them. And then from there, dove very deep into the paid advertising space and, and helped advise a company uh, that ultimately became one of the largest social paid optimization firms in the world. And what that means is we were optimizing advertising on, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube for some of the world's largest brands uh, to the tune of at one point we were doing about 80 to $100 million a year in paid spend. And that experience really opened my eyes to the inefficiencies behind content and behind targeting and behind media spend. And I just caught, I kept seeing the inefficiencies over and over again. And I felt like there's got to be a better way to go about this. So that's where I left and started building my own testing methodologies. methodologies and as you mentioned, very evidence-based that could help my clients, big and small, really understand what content formats, themes, messages, stories work with an audience before you invest too far in either direction, either through advertising dollars or through content creation. Uh, so I, I created these testing methodologies and then brought them back to the big brands and celebrities and journalists that I was working with and saw a lot of success with it. But then I thought to myself, well, that's great for the biggest brands and celebrities in the world, but what about the rest of us? What about people starting from scratch or your local pharmacist or somebody graduating from college? Could these principles show success for them? And that's where I decided to do this case study on myself of generating a million followers in hundred countries in 30 days, not to make myself famous, not to make myself an influencer, but again, an experiential experiment to see what was possible so that I could share that information to people, which took the form of my first book, 1 million followers. Uh, but you know, the, that's just kind of a brief overview of my career and experience. And it's just touching different aspects of it that gives me a well-rounded uh, background to help my clients really understand what their goals and KPIs are and, and help them scale no matter what industry they're in, whether they're a pharmacist, a dentist, a musician, a movie studio. We touch all industries and, and we find that our strategies, because they're evidence-based, work across the board. I like hearing that in, in something in beginning the book, and I haven't I have to admit I haven't finished it yet, is, is I, I notice when I reference other materials and studies that you are referencing, it's very psychology driven and you're being very sincere. And the reason why I wanted to have you on uh, the pharmacy podcast is because there are so many pharmacists out there who must communicate better than they do. They didn't go to school to learn how to communicate. They went to school to ensure that drug interactions and drug allergies and um, drug contraindications aren't going to kill people and they're keeping people alive and they're keeping people better, but not knowing how to necessarily effectively communicate 
uh, got me excited when I saw 1 million followers. And, and just like you, they're not out there to get world famous, but they are the, out there to build a personal brand for themselves. So thinking of the nerdiness of a pharmacist who values the evidence-based um, research that you've done, what's kind of the first level advice that you could give a pharmacist? And my first point for you pharmacists is to pick up this book. There will be a, a link to the show notes, uh, 1 million followers um, in order to uh, pick up this book. But ab above and beyond that, what can you tell a, a, a new pharmacist that's out there that says, listen, I really want to do as much as I can for my community. And the first thing I want to do is engage on social media. Yeah. So first off uh, to what you said, uh, just add a layer to it. Everything we do is, is based on psychology and human behavior. We study it uh, intently and in depth. So we understand why people make certain decisions, why from both from a conscious and a subconscious level, uh, because that really informs how we structure strategy and campaigns and messaging in addition to that, from a communication lens within our agency, we, we have a whole department that's focused on the psychology of communication. So we use a, a specific framework that is used by the likes of NASA and, and Audi and Pixar and Bill Clinton to communicate at scale. So we layer that in with all the, the client work that we do. And oftentimes, after we've created strategy, we'll even train the client to communicate because what most people fail with communication, whether they, they think they're a good communicator or, or a novice and a beginner, is it, and this is kind of the first piece of advice, is most people when they're designing content, they're designing content for themselves. It's like how they communicate to themselves about their product or their service instead of stepping back and being like, well, does my audience perceive my product, my service, uh, my pharmacy in the same way that I do? Because oftentimes what I find is that the more intelligent that you are, the more successful that you are, the harder it is for you to communicate effectively to your core consumer. And the question is why? Because you think it'd be easier the smarter you get and the more experienced. Well, because it becomes so naturally intuitive to you that to you when you talk about pharmacy or drugs or the services that you do is like you've been doing it for so long, years, sometimes decades. And for the average consumer, they may not know anything. Uh, so you have to speak to them on, on their level. In addition, in our, in our psychological framework that we use for communication is you've got to understand that people perceive the world in different ways. And they're looking for communication and messages structured in specific ways. So for example, there's a subset of the audience, uh, about 25% uh, of the North American population that perceive the world through thoughts and logic versus 30% perceive it through feelings and emotions and 10% uh, perceive it through values and opinions. And then there's some people that just react to things. So if, for, for example, with me, I perceive the world through thoughts and logic, which is great, it hits that audience. But if I'm not conscious of the person that views the world through feelings and emotions and in, intertwine that into my messaging or the people that perceive the world through values and opinions, I could alienate a big percentage of the audience that I'm trying to attract. So what we do with our messaging is we make sure that it's very well-rounded in that let's have some facts and data that represent our value. Let's then express how it's gonna make people feel when they come into our pharmacy or engage with me as a pharmacist. And then what we really believe is the most important thing about it. 
So for example, if like if I'm creating an ad for a pharmacy, it may start out with we've we've treated um, over a thousand patients over the past uh, six months. And with our patients, we've had a 99% success rate. And these this is just kind of me as a novice doing it. When you come and work with us, we are gonna make you feel so comfortable. We're gonna make you feel safe and, and give you a safe place to answer any questions that you come up with. And we believe that we are the best in the market because of X, Y, and Z. So right there, I just reached about 60% of the North American population with the way that, that I've constructed the message. But if I just focused on the data or facts, or if I just focused on the feelings and emotions, or just focused on the beliefs about our business or our opinions, it's going to alienate the rest. So that's one of the, the mistakes that people make with their communication that we, we really help them hone in with. The second part is when you're designing content, again, not for yourself, but for your audience, one of the exercises that we do is what, what is really keeping them up at night? Like what is their fears? What is their anxiety? What is their stress about dealing with their health and wellness or dealing with uh, getting supplements or subscriptions and start there so that one uh, in my hook point book, I, I interviewed a friend of mine, Craig Clemens, who's one of the top copywriters in the world. He sold over a billion dollars worth of products uh, online in the specifically in the health and wellness space. And one of the things that he brilliantly articulated that he said led to his success he said, the moment that you can articulate your core customer's problem better than they could articulate it to themselves, you win their trust immediately. And they'll, they will come and purchase whatever you want. And they'll trust you to come fill their subscriptions or, or buy anything from, from your pharmacy. And I think that that's really a great point is most people when they're designing content or ads, they're not really thinking in that way. They're just thinking about, hey, I want to get people to come in or this is my perspective on it instead of looking at the larger picture. So I know I just threw a lot of information at you, so I'll just kind of stop there and check in. No, that's good. And it makes absolute sense. And you're absolutely correct. So we do have um, multiple pharmacy owners. We have pharmacists that work in health systems and hospitals, and they're constantly surrounded by nurses and physicians. We have pharmacists that are the community pharmacy owner who you and I we really talked about that type of pharmacist before we started the recording. We have specialty, specialty pharmacists. So I think this applies to everyone and understanding to, um, to simplify communications so that if you have messaging that is important from a campaign perspective versus just everyday communications with a, a local you know, physician or doctor, or even one of those insurance companies, that your message is coming across in a way that's much more palatable and much more consumable um, than, than something very specific of what you've gotten used to. I've learned from the book so far to stop messaging and stop building content for me, just like you said, and start building it for my consumer. My primary consumer is the pharmacist, but my, my pharmacist consumer isn't the pharmacist, it's the patient. So it's this trickle effect, this domino effect. And, I'm, I'm already learning from some of, the, um, some of the, the topics and strategies that you've placed in 1 million followers. And I'm going to definitely follow up with our uh, Pharmacy Podcast Nation um, with your other uh, publications as well. And I want 
the listeners to realize there's an opportunity here because I think with the relevance of the importance of medication and healthcare today is so much greater than what it was 20, 50, you know, 100 years ago because of the expense, because of the time that we don't have. And something that you've mentioned before in your books is attention span. So would you kind of grow into the attention span um, and, and kind of uh, build that out? Because a pharmacist that, that talks with a patient has very little time to actually talk to them about maybe something that's life savings and reviewing a medication with them or catching something that, that may be uh, an extension or might be ancillary to their care. But I love the way that you crafted the message around reaching people's attention very quickly. Yeah, and that was that's really the whole subject of the second book, Hook Point. And the reason I decided to to take two years to put that information together is because I think it's the most valuable information that you could really have uh, based on, on our experience and data. Like our experience of uh, generating 50 million followers plus for clients, generating hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, generating billions of views online, both from a consumer facing standpoint, but to your point is like, we work with B2B companies all the way. So the, the principles still work and apply across the board. And we first have to realize the world that we live in today. The world that we live in today, there's over 60 billion messages, and that's billion with a B, sent out across digital platforms each day through email, through text, through push notifications, social media, all of that. And because we're inundated with so much noise, we're no longer living in a world where we're just competing against our direct competition. We're competing against for att uh, against attention of every piece of content out there. So like it or not, you're competing against LeBron James, the NBA, Netflix, uh, Yahoo, Google, Netflix, all these, these people that are producing content. So first understanding that. Uh, secondarily, we focus, and, and that's where, where Hook Point is called, called how to stand out in a three second world, is because we believe that you have less than three seconds to capture their attention. Now that doesn't mean that you can't have long form conversations or long form content. That's a misconception. It's just, you have less than three seconds, sometimes even less than that to get them to pay attention to what you have to say. And if in that first three to five seconds, you don't say something that captures their attention, they're moving on. They're either scrolling past or even if it's in person one-to-one, -one, they may zone you out. Or they may just be like, I can't trust this person or I can't listen to this person or I've got 10 other things going on. So that's where we developed this tool called a hook point, which is all predicated off of gaining that attention. Because most people, what they try and do with ads, with content, or even communicating one-to-one -one, is they try and front load that conversation. They try and take that initial part and express their value, their, uh, their, um, their service, their product. When you haven't gotten that to that point yet. It's almost, most people will overwhelm somebody with too much information in those first three to five seconds when it's just about capturing the attention so you can win the next part. So you can win the next five seconds, the next 15 seconds, the next 30, the next 60. So really what we do both online and offline with these hook points is again, we put ourselves in the other person's shoes. What is the biggest pain point that they're dealing with? What is their biggest frustration? What, are, what has been their experiences in the past that have frustrated them? And we use that as a way to hook it in. So I'll give you an example, an analogy 
that's not directly related to pharmacy, but it's an offshoot. So let's say, let's say that we are launching a meditation app or a meditation product or a meditation retreat or something like that. Now, meditation is something that's been talked about for thousands of years. If you type meditation into Google, there's probably a billion plus results. So if I go out and I start talking to people uh, through an ad or a social piece of content and say meditation is the key to success or meditation is the key to happiness or meditation is the key to contentment, that's something I've heard before. And I, I don't need to stop because I know what that person's going to say. I'll just keep scrolling or I'll uh, tune them out. Now, one way to look at that is how do we interrupt that pattern? So we talk a lot about pattern interrupt where people are scrolling or people are consuming content or they're at the pharmacy and they're scrolling their phone in front of the pharmacist. They've got a lot of noise and things going on. So how do we interrupt that pattern to get them to stop and be like, whoa, I didn't experience that. I need to listen to this person. So one of the tools that we use to do that uh, is called subverting expectations. Uh, we don't use it all the time, but it, it works and it kind of expresses the idea of pattern interruption. So subverting expectations means completely flipping on, on its head. So if we go back to the meditation example, we could say meditation's a scam. Now, if I'm scrolling up the feed and I see meditation's a scam, I'm going to be like, what? I haven't really experienced that. And then I'll go into the story because this isn't about clickbait. It's, so if we have the headline meditation's a scam, I would start off by saying, you know what? have you ever been in a place where you just tried everything with meditation? You've listened to these gurus or you read an article about meditation and it just didn't work for you. It just felt like a scam. Well, I really feel your pain. I've been there when I started out with meditation, it just didn't work for me. And I just, I kept at it. And I found out a few myths about meditation that I'm going to explore with you today. And then also three tips on how I got meditation to work for me and how I can get meditation to work for you, even if you failed at, at it in the past. So what I did is I interrupted the pattern. I'm reaching an audience that probably have, has had a negative experience with meditation. In addition to the audience that probably already meditates, they're gonna stop and pay attention to it. And I'm bringing them into a conversation with a story, recognizing what they may have gone through and then moved on to the product or the service or how I can help them. So that's kind of one of the tools that we use to hook people in. So it's like really thinking about the experience of the consumer is they're inundated with this information about supplements, about um, pharmacy or pharmacists in general, about uh, subscriptions and things like that, and understand that they probably inundated with information over and over again. And how can you interrupt that pattern to get somebody to stop and say, I have to listen to this person? That's brilliant. And it makes sense. Makes me want to put out a campaign that says diabetes isn't that big of a deal <laughs> and then get patients to pay attention to, to what we're about to say to them. But that yeah, is there was a, uh, my friend that that's the number one copywriter in the world had a camp has a campaign that said uh, something about to the effect that they have a tomato on a screen. And then it says, uh, you think this is healthy for you? Question mark. Think again. Whereas like most people, you think a fruit or a vegetable is healthy for you, but you're flipping it on its head and getting people to pay attention to what you have to say. That's awesome. That's terrific. Yeah, we will have um, in the show notes links as well as a campaign of pushing out this episode where we're going to be uh, talking more about uh, 1 million followers um, as well as um, 
a hook point and links back to that as well. When you think of the um, the new pharmacist really trying to establish themselves, what do you think of social media platform and where it's relevant in in order to think more B two B in 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 being connected to other businesses and other healthcare professionals? I'm a big user of LinkedIn, but do you have um, do you have a preference? I love LinkedIn. I, I think it's an amazing platform, and as I mentioned. We've had a lot of success using these principles for B2B. I mean, I've personally closed $20 million off of LinkedIn, off of cold outreach, and the same principles apply. Uh, and they work really well. Is Again, if you're sending out a cold message on, on LinkedIn, it's understanding what is the pattern interruption. I just did a YouTube video on it, on dissecting cold outreach LinkedIn messages because it baffles me how bad they are is like you can immediately smell this person's trying to sell me something or they even completely mislabel it. They talk to me about like, hey, I know you're uh, into golfing, so let's, uh, let me sell you this golf retreat. I don't golf. Or, hey, I know you're an accountant. Let's connect. I'm not an accountant. Now, that's a very high level. and we all, That's kind of common sense. But at the same level that we were talking about with social media or anything, you need to have that pattern interruption because with LinkedIn, people are sending these stupid messages that are ineffective. So people are becoming numb to it. It doesn't mean it can't work, but just going through that process of, okay, if I'm messaging this contact that I want to close a B2B relationship, they probably have 15 other messages or 15 other contact requests. What is that pattern interrupt that's going to get me somebody to just first open the message? And then you know, how are you articulating the value that you're providing to them? Now, most people use LinkedIn or an ad to sell. I completely disagree with that approach. It's like, how can I provide value through my service, through my product, through whatever I'm offering to this person? Because the old adage is people hate to be sold to, but they love to buy. And it's the truth is if you can go out to a B2B contact and basically one of the structures that we use is you know, first recognizing this person and what they've achieved or something about them so they know this isn't just a mass outreach. And then secondarily, tap into what is their biggest uh, challenge that they're facing right now? What is giving them anxiety? How, how can you help them with the biggest challenge? Because to all the people listening and to you as well is like, if I came to you and whatever the biggest issue in your life is today, the biggest thing that's causing you anxiety or stress with your business, and I said, I can help you solve that. You're going to be like, yeah, please help me solve it. That's how I am with my business. Like I have challenges. If somebody comes to me, is like, I want to take this off your plate. I want to solve this for you. Why would you say no? The only reason you're going to say no is if it's too expensive or it, it just, the deal turns don't work out, but we're not even at that stage. We're just trying to get the conversation. We're trying to get the meeting or the phone call or whatever it may be. So that's where I kind of look at it. It's still the same principles of using a hook point. And in my hook point book, I break down the entire process that we've used to close um, hundreds of millions of dollars between me and my partners, leveraging LinkedIn, leveraging outreach and things of that nature. That's terrific. I was listening to you and I was thinking of the attention span. And when I watched the social dilemma on Netflix, how there was an algorithm that was it was catching how long someone is spending on a specific tweet or Instagram post or something. And that plays right into exactly what you were describing 
Um, and, and I think that, that that in of itself is, is so relevant to today's age and the need for a pharmacist to grapple and wrestle with everything else that's distracting a patient to get them to pay attention to what they are saying, um, whether that be in a post writing or in, in front of them, this is all extremely relevant and, and very important. So I want to um, I want to thank you, um, uh, Brendan. I also want to make um, a statement to the to the listeners. We do have pharma listeners. We have uh, wholesalers that listen, buying groups that listen. Um, if you want to work with um, Brendan Kane, I'm going to have links to his um, to his website in order to use him as a as really a. A, a lightning rod of attention of, of a customer of patients um, because this is so important right now to get to gain the attention of customers and patients to pay attention to what pharmacists have to say is so important so I think there's other opportunities that our pharmacy industry needs to tap into you as even like even a keynote speaker so I, I, I definitely want to encourage that yeah and I just want to uh, reiterate to, to your point as it, these principles work no matter if you're B2B, B2C, uh, trying to just get local consumers to come in, trying to operate at a national level. We've tested and validated these frameworks and, and these principles uh, across all different industries and sectors. Something else I want to make reference to is there have been people that I've talked to in the past who have considered themselves uh, mavens or experts in certain um points of information and then you go to their social media and you wonder uh, you know what they're referencing but everything that you do from your book to your website to your instagram it all echoes the same information as you're as you're proving what you're talking about so it's it's refreshing to see that in fact someone who wrote a book about one million followers in fact has over one million followers <laughs> so that's uh that's awesome yeah and again everything People always ask me where to start, whether they're trying to scale revenue, generate leads, generate traffic, generate followers. It all comes down to grabbing attention. That is the first thing that you need to master. If you can master that, everything else will fall into place. And that's why I preach on it. That's why I write a, 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 an entire book on that subject because I've just seen over 15 years of doing that, of being in this space, like that is your key to success. That's awesome. Brendan Kane, 1 million followers. We thank you so much for sharing your insights with the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Yeah, my pleasure.